I'm excited about this message tonight. Uh, I'm excited about preaching it um, because it's fresh manna from heaven. It's fresh revelation. It's one of those messages that grabbed me. Uh, preachers prepare messages every week. We write often. We we get in God's word often, or, or a preacher should, anyways. Um, but this is one of those messages that gave me fresh revelation. And so, someone answer the phone. Bring it to me. I'll tell them hello. Um, but mute your phone, and we're going to get into God's Word tonight. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. The title of my message tonight is Right Place and Right Time. As you're turning there in God's Word or you're finding it on your app, I want to talk to you about positional favor. How do you position yourself for kingdom favor and kingdom access. And you say, what is kingdom? Well, it's the only message Jesus preached. Jesus preached the kingdom. And what is the kingdom? You know, people want to make Jesus the head of a political party. They want to make him the head of a denomination. But what they don't realize is Jesus is the king of kings. He is the leader of a kingdom, which is both spiritual and political and governmental. Jesus is the king of all of that. And when you start seeing the Christian life as kingdom, you start seeing your relationships as kingdom, then it will change your perspective forevermore. Now, I can preach this, and, and some of you already see things through kingdom lenses. So just when I speak kingdom, you get excited because you are living proof of what God can do through kingdom eyes. And through a kingdom work ethic. And through kingdom partnerships and kingdom relationships. And so it's my job to get you in the kingdom. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So when you embrace the king of kings and you embrace kingdom, it will bring you new revelation and new relationships and new opportunities in God's kingdom. So many people in the Christian life have a restless spirit. And you say, Pastor Ronnie, what do you mean by a restless spirit? I mean... A never enough spirit. Now, I understand that we should always be hungry for the Holy Spirit. We should always be hungry for the Word of God. We should always want more of God. And, and I totally understand that. I'm not trying to pour water on that in any way. But what I will say with this is this. Some people grow weary in well-doing by always looking for the more and not recognizing the king that stands in front of them. And they're always looking for the next opportunity, the next hook, the next mission, the next job, the next relationship, when there is favor right in front of them if they'll be faithful. And there are times where just strategically positioning yourself in the field that God has you in will bring you extreme favor. It is indeed the right place at the right time. Say that with me, right place, right time. Now say it again like it's not Wednesday after you've worked all day. Right place, right time. You say, Pastor Ronnie, what do you mean by right place and right time? Well, I want to first look at the story of Elijah and Elisha. Elisha's a young lad, and he's out laboring in the field. When I, Elijah puts his mantle on him, where was he? 
He was at the right place at the right time. And as soon as Elijah put his mantle on Elisha, he left everything that was to embrace what is and to dream about what was to come. He left nothing from the past that could hinder him from getting all that God wanted him to have. If you want an anointing from someone, you better find out how to get up under them and serve them until you get it. I have two ministry mentors and a lot of people who have spoken to me who I admire, who have helped me in many ways, but I have two people I consider mentors. One's my father, and I've mentioned the other, Dr. Bobby Atkins. But when I was young in the ministry, they didn't have to call me. That's not how this works. If you want something that someone else has, you engage them. You seek after them. You serve them. You offer to ride in the back. You offer to drive to where they are. You wait for them to call you back. You serve them. There's too much of an entitlement mentality in the kingdom of God now. Nobody wants to wait for anything. Nobody wants to serve anybody. And nobody wants to stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. And nobody wants to be faithful in the field that God has put them in. When Samuel came looking for a king, he didn't find it where Jesse thought he should find it. There was a young lad named David, red-headed in the field, dancing around, who the father was ashamed of, that God had anointed. But he was at the right place at the right time. And sometimes you will get what God wants you to get, not because of how good you are, but because you were at the right place at the right time. And you say, well, how did you know that David was in the right place at the right time? Because him being the choice was against everything that man could offer up. His father was ashamed of him. He marched his brothers out in front of Samuel. None of that worked. Because even though the world considered the field the wrong place, God considered it the right place at the right time. Paul would write most of the New Testament from a prison cell. Now, I'm sure Paul didn't think he was in the right place at the right time but he was because that's where God had him to fulfill his ultimate purpose now that's messing with somebody tonight sometimes what feels right to you is not right to God sometimes God wants you to be faithful right where you are whether it feels good or not sometimes God doesn't want you to feel good God wants you to feel convicted. He wants you to learn how to be faithful. He wants you to learn how not to get your way. He wants you to learn from someone else's successes and their mistakes. But the only way he can teach you is if you stay strategically positioned in the field that God has you in. Now, I had opportunities to pastor other churches. At least four flirted with me in my 20s and in my 30s. Some people knew about it. Some didn't. Some were huge opportunities. Some were little churches. 
And I flirted with a few out of frustration and flesh and all of those things. But I finally realized that I needed to be faithful, fruitful in the field that God had put me in. Now that was difficult because I had to ignore man's opinions. Amen? I had to ignore haters. I had to ignore other people who had agendas who might give me the wrong kind of advice. But I had to be faithful in the field that God had planted me in. And I can tell you this, I haven't always agreed with my mentors. But I've never dishonored them. Publicly or privately. Ever. I never stopped serving them. Because I always understood that even if I didn't agree in the moment, there's probably wisdom there that I've yet to figure out. And there are certain things, am I helping somebody tonight? There are certain things you'll never learn until you walk through it. With somebody or walk through it on your own. God wants you to walk through some stuff. And learn some things before he can elevate you and promote you into what God has called you to do. Paul speaks into the life of his mentee Timothy in this passage of scripture. And this is what he says. The spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. This is a reference to criminals from that day and age in that culture. If you were a criminal, they would, they would sear your forehead with a hot iron so you'd be marked as a criminal. So when you walked around the streets, they would know you're a criminal, you have a past, and they would know to stay away from you. And there was certainly a lot of judgment going on. And everybody's worried about to nowadays... They forbid people to marry. And what this means in the Greek is to make a mockery out of marriage, which we've done in this country, and I'll leave it at that, and order them to abstain from certain foods. This is legalism. God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. So I had to read those verses to get down to the meat of this. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. Stay here with me. So it says if I point out areas where you need to grow or where you fall short, then I'm a good minister. But nowadays we're learning not to step on certain topics. Not to go certain places in the word. Not to preach the truth. Not to correct anybody. Not to upset anyone. Not to preach on sin. But Paul tells his mentee this. He says, if you point out these things to your brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. 
having nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tells rather train yourselves to be godly for physical training is of some value but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance that is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people and especially of those who believe. So how to position yourself for kingdom favor, provision, prosperity. What if I told you that your prayers have already been answered? They're in the throne room of God. You just need to be in the right position and have the right perspective to receive the blessing that God's already released for your life. So many people already have what they want. They just don't know how to position themselves to get it. God's already said yes. I preached two weeks on when God says yes. And some of you are still receiving the no. He's already said yes. But you have to position yourself to receive that which God has for you. So how do you position yourself for kingdom provision, kingdom prosperity, kingdom purpose... To know who you are and what God's called you to do. To know how he wants you to finish and what he wants you to do. How do you know? Here's what he says. Right here. Verse 11 through 15. The rest was an introduction. Stay with me right here if we could get those verses up here. 1 Timothy chapter 4 beginning with verse 11. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech. Everybody say speech. Conduct in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and teaching. Do not neglect your gift. Somebody say, I've got a gift. Which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and the hearers. So the first thing Paul releases into the life of Timothy is guaranteed authority. Guaranteed authority. He says you want to be a man of authority. You want to be a man of provision. You want to be a man of prosperity. You want to be a man of purpose. Then this is how you do it. You be faithful. You teach the truth. You walk in the truth. You function like I've taught you to function. You finish the race. Because Paul would say, my departure is now at hand. I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. i finished my race. And so for Timothy to get what Paul wanted to give him, he had to be connected to him. He had to be in a place where he could receive everything that Paul labored for, was beaten for, was bloodied for. Timothy, at 25 years old, had to be in a position where he was ready for that anointing. And as Paul penned these words and as he spoke these things, Timothy had to be in a place where he was ready to receive. You have to be in a place tonight, if you want authority in the kingdom of God, you have to be in a strategic position so that you can receive all that God has for you. You will never have what you haven't already dreamed of. 
you will never go anywhere you haven't already been in your mind. The enemy comes in through your thought life, and that's how he controls you like a puppet master. So if you take control of your thought life, of your mind, through the kingdom power of the Holy Spirit, and you start controlling what goes in, and you start dreaming big, and you start believing God for the Zoe, the more for your life, and you imagine yourself walking in it, you see yourself going there, then eventually you'll be there. But you have to see it, believe it, speak it, walk it out by faith, and believe it. Speaking things by faith has gotten a bad rap in this culture, but it's biblical. You'll never have it if you haven't spoken it. You'll never have it if you haven't dreamed it. You'll never have it if you haven't had a vision of doing it. Open up your heart and your mind to what godly people want to say to you. I know people are weird sometimes, and I love all of you, but we got some weird people in this church, and I thank God for them. They've got a prophetic gift, and they'll speak into you. Let me tell you, most everything that I would consider awesome in my life, somebody spoke it into me. I'll never forget the first crusade I ever preached. I was up there preaching it, and I was sweating like a pig. I think I've got a picture of it. My whole back will sweat. I look like Bishop Jakes. Slap your neighbor and say I'm sweaty, you know. I mean, I was sweating. I was into it. But I had like an out-of-body experience. And I went back to one of the first times I spoke. It was right across the hallway. And I was speaking to men. It was a men's class. And someone came up to me and said, I had a vision of you in a foreign country speaking to thousands of people in a field. Now, I still had an insurance job. I didn't know I was ever going to be a lead pastor or an evangelist. I was just trying to follow God at the time. So I remember receiving it, but also going, man, that, that person just weird, but I, you know, cool, I'll go. But it was like I was up there giving it my all, and then I went out of body for a minute, and I went back to that prophetic word. You got to receive what the Holy Spirit wants to give you. So how do you position yourself? You know, Paul has said a lot of things to Timothy, but when we get to the meat of this text, now he's getting into the roots now he's getting into the details. Now he's getting into some doctrinal things that you have to do to position yourself for the guaranteed authority that God has for you. We talked about Elijah and Elisha. We talked about being connected. What about Timothy? This is what it says about how Timothy came in connection with Paul. Acts chapter 16. Then he came to Derby and to Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman, who believed, but his father was Greek. Let me say this. Timothy didn't have the right pedigree. His father was a Greek. His mother was a Jew. Paul was a Jew's Jew called to the Gentiles. Had Paul not been called to a race he didn't want to go to, he would have never embraced Timothy. But God had touched him on Damascus Road and blinded him so he could see through kingdom eyes. And had God not blinded him and given him kingdom vision, he would have never embraced Timothy. But Paul was positioned right. And then he gets to Timothy, and religion would say, you're not qualified because your dad's a Greek, your mom's a Jew. But Paul didn't think like that because God had already delivered him. 
says he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. So Paul went ahead and did what had to be done and took Timothy through a learning process so that he could teach and reach different races. It says nothing about Timothy objecting to what Paul wanting to do, wanted to do to him. Paul wanted him circumcised, which was a Jewish ritual of acceptance. Well, he wasn't fully Jewish, but yet he submitted to his authority. Does anybody listen to me? Right place, right time. He took him at 25 years old. He took him. He was at Derby and at Lystra, and a certain disciple named Timothy, 25 years old, was there. Someone say right place and right time. It may not have felt right, but in God's eyes, it was right. The timing was right. So not only guaranteed authority, unified gravity whenever God pulls an anointing up he leaves one down to be picked up now sometimes they get thrown in the midst of people and someone just labors for it but the way the kingdom is supposed to work is when a mantle is released it's supposed to be placed on someone and the problem in the kingdom is we have so many rock stars but not enough fathers and we need more fathers, spiritual fathers and mothers who will place their mantle on the next generation. The problem we have in the kingdom right now is we have a bunch of insecure leaders who are afraid of the next generation. And as long as you fear the sound coming from the next generation or you fear the message coming from the next generation or you fear the movement coming from the next generation, you'll never have everything God wants you to have. We've got to embrace all sounds and all kinds of people to have what God wants us to have. It's unified gravity. God doesn't call one and leave one an orphan. It's kingdom transition, kingdom provision, kingdom prosperity, kingdom purpose, unified gravity, the pull. One's departure is at hand. He's being pulled into glory into his final fight on earth. But the other one is being pulled into his ultimate calling as a young man to carry on that which Paul was beaten to death for. And that's how the kingdom of God works. Mantles are passed down. Anointings are transitioned. But it's a mutual pull. It's a unified gravity. There can be no godly pull if there's no unity. It's unified gravity. Somebody say amen. Gravity is an attraction or a pull towards something powerful. It's uncontrollable. But when we're in unity, the pull from God is so much more powerful than if we're in isolation. 
And so many times in the kingdom of God, we want to isolate ourselves. We want to be the Lone Ranger. We don't want to connect with other believers. We don't want to put down our racism or our judgmentalism or our religious attitudes and really get to know somebody. That's the most difficult thing about social media for me is that people will spew hatred about someone they've never sat down with based off a two-minute video clip, something that may or may not even be real. People will say the most hateful things about someone they've never met. They'll make a judgment about a preacher off a one-minute clip when the message was 40 minutes long and it was the third one he'd preached that week. How many of you would like one minute or two minutes of your daily life edited, recorded for the world to see? I wouldn't. Pastor Seth and Jim are always trying to see if I, they can make me sound like I cussed up here on stage. Now they think they've been successful a few times. I think they've edited it. But I don't want my worst moment to be on live television. And neither do you. And I don't want to be judged by one failure or one three-minute mistake. Do you? Well, if you don't want to be judged like that, you better make sure you don't judge somebody else like that. Because in the kingdom, it says, by that same measure you judge others, you will be judged. So not only do we have a guaranteed authority and a unified gravity, a pull, a call towards something powerful, then he says, listen, if you want to position yourself for this mantle, you want to position yourself for destiny, for prosperity, for kingdom purpose, this is going to mess with y'all because we're going Baptist right now. We got real charismatic with the first two points, but now we're going Baptist because y'all need it. Consistent conduct. I, met, I hung out with uh, Dr. Alan Johnson. You know, he lost Judy, and he spent most of his Sundays teaching Sunday school and would go feed sweet Judy, and we went to a basketball game last night and took my older son with him, and we spent a lot of time together, and and we were talking about church and Judy, and we talked about a number of things. And I, I, Alan's one of those people that I let him do most of the talking because I want what wisdom he has because I'm not a fool. There are certain people you need to listen to and draw wisdom from them. And Alan's one of those people in my life. So when he invites me somewhere, I always try to go, and I try to ask him strategic questions so I can learn business, ministry, whatever, he's done it all. So I was talking to him. So I, I engaged him and tried to provoke him a little bit. And I said, so Alan, what do you think of my lights and my smoke on Sunday morning? Because I knew already he wouldn't like them. But I asked him just to kind of bother him, you know, and see how he would respond. And, you know, he said, well, it's different. And I said, I said, well, I said, Go ahead, you hate it. Just tell me you hate it. I know you hate it. He said, no, I don't hate it. He said, if it reaches people for Jesus Christ, I'm for it. Unless the smoke is too thick. No, he didn't. You know, he didn't. But we, we talked about a number of things. Another thing we talked about was faithfulness. 
and I said, Alan, I said, I'm writing my, you know, year-end plans and dreaming big for the future and trying to, to touch our members and love everybody. And, and I said, you know, the one thing that frustrates me in this day and age is they're just, there's not a lot of faithful people that are committed to the local church like it was when, when you guys were coming up. I said, it's not a style thing. And I said, as I look around at our faithful people that I can count on, I said, what I've noticed of them, uh, about them, is none of them are extremely goofy. And Alan said, like only he could say it, and I won't mock him in his deep, uh, distinguished voice, but he said, sometimes charismatics get restless, and they have no foundation. They have no consistency. And so they jump from church to church, movement to movement, chasing the far. And they don't realize that the fire is in the faithfulness. And man, that ran all over me. And, and I thought about my message tonight. Because if we're going to be positioned for favor, God's looking for some consistency. Not perfection. Consistency. It's amazing that we have launched this church into a new era with our vision being a house of grace, our message being live free and fully alive, offering something to the world that they don't have, freedom in Christ. That's our vision. That's what God's called us to do, to show love, to offer freedom, and to help people find their purpose in the kingdom of God, to help them see things clearly. But yet, this grace message doesn't seem to apply when it comes to forgiving that person that gets on our nerves. And we have got to model this authority, this unity, and we've got to be consistent in our conduct. Everybody will shout grace when someone comes to Jesus, but nobody wants to shout grace when they have to forgive that person that's offended them and make peace. You should never leave anywhere unless you've secured your exit. Because you're never going to be blessed in your new position if you haven't secured your previous position. And that's in the workplace, that's in business, that's in kingdom, and that's in church. You don't want to leave poorly. Anywhere. If you're a Christian, you want to leave blessed, you want to leave right, and you don't want to leave with any bitterness. But let me tell you, there are a lot of tongue-talking bitter people. There are a lot of tongue-talking jealous people. There's a lot of tongue-talking demonic people. And I pray in the Spirit, forbid not to speak in tongues, but I'm going to tell you, I'd like to see some consistency in the charismatic movement. And if we're going to be the house God's called us to be, we're going to have to be consistent in the things of God. And if we want to be a house of grace, we need to model grace. We need to model positional favor. 
We need to model loyalty. We need to model unity. We need to give each other a break. I told our staff this week, listen, my job is to spiritually lead this congregation and preach faithfully and love my sheep. I don't, I'm not the person to tattletale to. If you're on full-time staff here, handle your business. Forgive people. Make peace. Don't tattle to me on somebody else. You're a Christian. A paid Christian. Communicate. How am I going to teach y'all to use Matthew 18 when I can't get church people to do it? Can't get staff people to do it. We got to forgive one another and model this. Consistent conduct. This is what Paul says. First of all, in the Word. Teaching, social interaction, sincerity, and clarity. In the Word. Everything we do needs to fit the Word of God. The Word of God. Not corrupt. Not vain, not foolish talk. We need to be consistent in our conduct relative to the Word of God. With grace. Somebody say grace. Seasoned with salt. Wise. Edifying the Word of God. Everything you hear me release is going to be in the Word of God. Everything you see me do is going to be based on the Word of God. Now I'm spirit led, but I'm not stupid led. I believe the Word of God backs up what the Spirit's doing. Now, I do believe it's Father, Son, Holy Ghost, not Father, Son, Holy Bible. But I believe it's inerrant and infallible, and it will never contradict what the Spirit's doing. And the Spirit will never contradict what the Word says. Consistent conduct in word and in behavior. Three principles here. First, you've heard me preach on it 800 times, the power of agreement. But, but it's, it's about mentorship, and it's about mantles and it's about transition and it's about how the kingdom transitions from one generation to the next if you're going to be positioned for blessing which is what this is about right place and right time you have to understand the power of agreement power of agreement says I may not be right but I can be right with you I'm going to forfeit being right to be right with you I'm going to do my role even if I don't get the credit I deserve I'm going to serve the kingdom of God and not be jealous of the person I'm serving. It's not going to be about me or my position or my title or how much I, I can get seen. It's not going to be about being right. It's going to be about serving and being faithful, being in the right place at the right time because I'm in agreement with God the Father, His Son, and the Holy Ghost. All three functioning as one. I'm in an agreement with all of them. I understand my covering. I understand the Son who paid the price for my sins and I'm led by the Holy Spirit. I'm functioning in agreement. If you'll function in agreement, God will take you from the power of agreement to the power of influence. If you ever learn the kingdom principle of agreement and how to walk in unity with your wife, with your friends, with your church, with your co-workers, if you learn how to walk in unity, God will give you greater influence. If you can't walk in unity, God will never promote you above what you're willing to do. It may just be that person that you hate is the key to your success. Oh, I'm messing with you now. But it may be that when you reconcile with that person, it'll open the door for your greatest blessing 
Agreement leads to influence. You want greater influence? Learn to walk in unity. Learn to be corrected. Wisdom and knowledge is one thing. But allowing someone to speak into you, correct you, and help you is another. That takes a certain level of maturity. You want greater influence, walk in a greater level of agreement. Influence leads to integrity. And that's what Paul is getting to here at the end of this chapter. Is he saying, look, Timothy, I can give you my anointing. And I can give you kingdom principles. But you walk in integrity. And let me tell you, there's a lot of things in the kingdom you can't control. But you can control your integrity. You can be a man or a woman of your word. You can be where you say you're going to be and do what you said you were going to do. You can be faithful over a few things. And God will make you a ruler over many. So he says, in word and behavior and in love. Even if you have tongues of angels and you have not love, the Bible says you're nothing. So in word and in behavior, in love and in faith. Faith works by love. You have faith because you have love. Agreement leads to influence. Influence leads to integrity if you do it right. Some people, when they get influence, their integrity doesn't match their level of influence and they ruin the kingdom. No one can take away from your integrity. They can question your agreement, they can question your influence, but they can never question or take away from your integrity. And the enemy's scared of people that have integrity because he can't penetrate them and attack them. The grace of faith, the doctrine of faith, and the profession of faith. Faith is worked out by love, and there's a grace of faith, there's a profession of faith, there's a doctrine of faith, and that's what I'm trying to get in you. Faith is not some cute word we use in church. It's a way of life. It's a way to live. It's how you think. It's what you speak. It's what you do. It's where you go. It's who you run with. If you hang out with people who don't believe in anything, it will rub off on you. Be around people who speak faith. Be around people who see the big picture, even if they're crazy. Be around people that say, I believe you can be a millionaire when you got 10 cents in your bank account. Good, be around those kind of people. Because I'm telling you, you don't want to be around people who tell you, no, let's just kind of stay where you are. I'm telling you, I want you to dream big. Amen? Because I, I see people that you would consider successful and that I consider successful. All I see is right place, right time. And th that's a kingdom principle. Being in the right place at the right time. Also in purity, in purity, living clean. Number four, and I close here, generational legacy. Paul was pouring truth into the next generation. The Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's the Jewish covenant blessing. See, some of you are wanting to leave an inheritance to your kids. Bad idea. Leave it to two generations away because your kids will blow it. 
And if they know they don't have access to it, they'll work harder. And the grandkids, they'll rise up and be ready for what you've prepared for them. Bible says for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. How does Jacob go from stealing his brother's birthright, from his name meaning liar and deceiver, to being Israel? Somebody say, right place, right time. See, when you're in the right place and the right time with God, your past is irrelevant. What Jacob had done no longer mattered. All that mattered was the kingdom purpose he was in the midst of. His calling, right place, right time. He labored for it. He fought for it. He deceived for it. He shaded for it. Listen, this wasn't a godly person. But God used him. God called him and God erased that when he got in the right place. Come on, somebody. At the right time. Some of you keep moving places. And God's saying, stay planted. Stay faithful. Stay strategically positioned because I'm about to pour my spirit out on you and I'm about to bless you in abundance. You say, oh, Pastor Ronnie, you're just preaching. No, I'm being real with you. There's been many books that have never been written and many sermons that have never been preached and many business seminars that have never been led by people because they quit too soon. And I'm telling you, I've seen it in ministry. Angie's seen it. We've seen people in this church over the last 30-something years that have drifted in here and been this close to a business opportunity, a promotion, or even a job here that they had dreamed about. And right before they were about to get it, they self-destructed, walked out the back door, took a bitter spirit with them, and they've never served God like they were serving Him here. They're not even faithful where they're going to church, and they miss their moment, and they're too prideful to admit it. And to go back and claim... What God had for them. I'm helping somebody. It should be helping somebody. God is trying to bless you. And you're wanting to quit. And you're this close. But you're restless. Because you've lived your whole life jumping. Moving. It's never been enough. A lot of former drug addicts deal with this. Even... Th Though they've been through recovery, and even though they're healed, and even though they're whole, they get in the kingdom of God, they get saved, they get filled with the Holy Ghost, but they need the Holy Ghost 24-7. They need to be falling out every day. They need the music is loud. They need screaming every time somebody preaches. They need shouting. They need running laps. Let me tell you, God moves in different ways. If you need that every time the doors of the church are open, that's something broken in you. Now, God moves like that, and I love the Holy Ghost shout and run. And I lay hands on people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But if you need that all the time, what hasn't been sustained or fulfilled in you where you need that all the time? I had somebody tell me one time, Pastor Ronnie, I just need that all the time. I'm like, that's a drug addict mentality. 
You need that to get filled with the Holy Ghost to get saved. But you don't need that to live every day. The Holy Ghost is inside you. You can have intimacy with Him 24 hours a day. Why do you need somebody to hit you every day? Scream at you every day. Why you need to run? Why you need an organ hyping my preaching up to get you to feel the Holy Ghost when He's already here, man? Right place, right time. If you need to be saved, you're in the right place at the right time. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You're at the right place at the right time. Jesus didn't understand it in Gethsemane when he was bleeding from his brow. When his brothers had abandoned him. When he asked God to let this cup pass. But then he said, not my will, but yours be done. The cross was painful. It wasn't fun. It wasn't your best life that we preach about. It wasn't kingdom prosperity. It was a sacrifice. And it was painful and it was bloody. And he did it for you. And it didn't feel good getting spit at, watching your mother getting mocked, bleeding from your brow, crown of thorns on your head. But it was the right place at the right time. And that seed born of a virgin came. And and the Bible says in due season... We'll reap a harvest. So I decree and declare blessings over this house as we enter into this Christmas season. Father God, you are our greatest gift. And we love you. I want to decree and declare, decree and declare blessings over you. I know we've went a little longer. It's 8.06. I promise not to keep you this late every week, but I feel the Holy Ghost. And I really feel like blessing of Abraham is what we need in the house tonight. See, Abraham was in the right place at the right time. He was the first Hebrew person, and God birthed a nation and generations from this one person who was willing to be obedient to what he said. And in Genesis 12, he blessed him. So I want to bless you. So would you stand on your feet tonight? We're going to go into some play and just close your eyes and hold your hands up in a place to receive tonight. And I want to bless you with the blessing of Abraham. Then I'm going to have Pastor Sammy close us in prayer tonight. If you're listening to this and you need to be saved, you'll never see the kingdom if you don't come through the Son, Jesus Christ. So you just need to say, Lord, I receive you. Forgive me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your spirit and use me for your glory. If you prayed that, You've just taken your first step into kingdom thinking and you're in covenant with the king. And now you're going to start to fill a pull towards your purpose. And you allow the Holy Spirit to work that out and you get in a church. But for everyone else that's already saved but been battling this restless spirit and this spirit of unworthiness and emptiness, I break that spirit in the name of Jesus tonight. And I declare joy over the house tonight. I declare prosperity over the house tonight. I declare kingdom provision, relationships, opportunities, new seasons over this house. And I will say that I receive the blessing of Abraham for myself, my family, and for the people of Abba's house. 
The Bible says first, God promises he will make Abraham a great nation. God wants to do that in your life. God wants to give you a legacy and an inheritance and a mantle to pass down. So if you receive it, say, I receive it. God goes on to say, I will bless you. God doesn't bless you like the world blesses you. God blesses you in every way. He blessed Abraham with livestock. He blessed him with everything. Legacy, livestock, money, wealth. God wants to bless you. If you need it, say, I receive it. God says, I will make your name great. So God says, once I teach you agreement, I'm going to put you in a place of influence, and I'm going to make your name great. He's not making your name great so you'll be great. He's making your name great so his name will be exalted and lifted up. So if you receive the influence God has for you, just say, I receive it. God says you will be a blessing. That's where the phrase blessed to be a blessing comes from. He tells Abraham, listen, I'm blessing you, so you'll be a blessing. How many of you in the house right now? I'm being serious in the spirit right now with you. If God gives you the money that you've been asking for, the job you've been asking for, why don't you promise him to give back to his kingdom right now in the spirit realm? Say, Lord, if you'll bless me, I will be a blessing. Say it in your spirit, in your heart. Say it out loud. I don't care how you say it. Just say it. Lord, if you'll bless me, I'll be a blessing. Lord, if I, if I get the money, I'm going to give the money. If I get the successful business, I'm going to help people that are less fortunate than me. I'm going to give to the kingdom. I'm going to give to your church. I receive it. Jesus says then, He's going to bless those that bless you. That's what he says to Abraham. So not only are you getting blessed, the people that have helped you get blessed, that have served you, served your business, served your family, served your ministry, the people that have been a blessing to you, God's going to bless. Because they've been a part of your blessing. So it's a transitional blessing and a kingdom blessing of prosperity that's flowing down. But he also says, I'm going to curse those that curse you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. Stop fighting your own battles. Holy Spirit says, you don't have to fight anymore. I'm fighting them for you. So the ones that have stood against your blessing, God's going to curse them. Until they get right. Somebody shout yes. The Bible then promises Abraham in Genesis 12 that all the people of the earth and that's me and you friend because the Bible tells us that we are the seed of Abraham we don't have to be Jewish to get this amen we're grafted in by the blood of Jesus amen. that's why what Paul did with Timothy was prophetic was guaranteed authority unified gravity consistent conduct and generational legacy and that's what God wants to give you. Authority, influence, and He also wants to give you consistency in your conduct and generational legacy. That's what God wants to give you. If you receive it, just say, I receive it. Hallelujah. Brian, lead us in worship just a minute. Just worship God just for a few minutes before we leave.